Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and uh, we are on podcast number 35. I'm really excited to share today's guest with you because this is a topic that kind of came up in our previous podcast with Bob Hurley, and I knew that uh, when we were doing that podcast, that this podcast was coming up. And so it almost kind of teed this one up perfectly because uh, we talked a little bit about marriage and the importance of having a good marriage and, and really trying to identify what that looks like and being purposeful with creating the ideal marriage for yourself uh, so that you can be successful, not only in your career, but also in business. And so I kind of put out a question to some of my friends on social media of, you know, who are some people that you'd like to hear from uh, when it comes to marriage and who are some people that you believe would have a lot to say? And in both cases, this guy who is on the podcast today, Mr. Joe McGee popped up and I've known Joe. I was telling him in the little bit of the pre-show, I've known about Joe for a very long time, going back to when I started in high school. And so as he's kind of made the rounds talking about marriage, talking about relationships, I just knew that he would be a perfect fit for this. So let me read a little bit of a bio on Joe, uh, and then we'll go ahead and 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 have him come, come on the show. But uh, Joe McGee is an author and national conference speaker. He has invested the past 30 years training people from all walks of life in family, marriage, and parenting relationships. His practical down-to-earth teaching is delivered in a direct rubber-meets-the-road style that is also filled with humorous illustrations pulled from his own life experience. Uh, as a husband of over 45 years and having raised six children. Joe presents some of the most entertaining yet practical teaching about family available today through teaching materials, Faith for Families seminars, and his new radio outreach, Fighting for Families with Joe McGee. His insights into relationship will reveal scriptural principles on common sense applications that will powerfully change your marriage, your family, and your life. Joe, I hope that intro does you justice. <laughs> I hope I can live up to it. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, I am really excited uh, to hear your story and kind of share some of your thoughts on marriage with the, with the group. Evan, I'm glad to be here. I'm honored. Thank you for what you're doing with the businessmen. It's, it's a big need and you're meeting a big need. So thank you. Joe, you heard a little bit in the, in the intro, kind of the direction that we want to go with this. And first and foremost, our audience is is essentially those uh, those young uh, businessmen and women who are getting started in their careers. They're in their early twenties, into their thirties, and they're they're starting in, in business. They're starting to see success there, but ultimately, there's another side to their life. It's not just the business side; it's the relationship side. And some right. are getting started in marriage. Uh, others maybe have already made that leap into marriage. And so, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, what does a successful marriage look like? <laughs> uh, I wish I had a short answer on that. Uh, 
Denise, I had 45 great years. I really love being married. I said marriage was the second greatest thing that ever happened to me. Uh, we were young. We got married. Uh, Denise, I believe it or not, had just turned 18. I just got back out of the army. And so we got married. And back when we were married, that's what you did. You got out of high school. You went in the service. You got out. You got married. You got a job. And you pretty much waited till you died. That was it. We pretty much had life whipped in our early 20s. We got everything done. <laughs> so we had no great vision for anything. We had a big family. Uh, Denise's father had 12 brothers and sisters. My father had 12 brothers and sisters. So wow. he would ask us all the time. You know, they would joke with us. So, well, are, you, are you Mormon? No. Are you Catholic? No. How come you have so many kids? So we were miners. We're a mining family. You had to have the kids to put them to work. So grandpa had kids to put them to work. So uh, we loved the big family concept. And so Denise always wanted a big family. We got married. So got married, waited five years before we had our first child. And, and so six kids later, uh, and I'm glad we had them. I like every one of them. So we're having our, our last child graduates from college here in two months. So we've got them all out of school. So we've hit, we think we've hit a home run. It took a long time, but we've hit a home run. I, I well, I'm sure you, I'm, I'm sure you made it look real easy too, right? <laughs> sure. You know, uh, what you don't see is the, behind the scenes, but what we tell people, uh, I worked as an engineer, worked in the electrical industry for, for 10 years. And then, uh, we believe God called us to do ministry. So I quit my job, moved to Tulsa, went to school, got out and went and worked in a local church. And so worked at two great local churches here. But for the last 25 years, we've traveled and taught seminars and people kept saying, you'll do this one day. You'll do this. So, well, Maybe I will. I don't know, but we have. So we just completed our 26th year and we do about 80 seminars a year on the family. So we do seminars on marriage, parenting, men and money. That's that's the essence of what we do called, uh, you know, fighting for family. So you're not fighting with your family, trying to fight for your family. But the thing we try to tell people, so listen, guys, you, you don't find a great marriage. Nobody finds a great marriage. You have to build one. You know, and the Bible says Jesus built a church. Jesus didn't find a church. He found a bunch of thumb-sucking, hell-bound sinners, and he built a church out of them. So you really, everybody's starting from scratch. And so I tell people, you know, the, uh, you don't get to know anybody and you date them. You date somebody for 20 years. The day you say I do, scales will fall from your eyes. Revelation will come from heaven. You think, what have I done? Well, you married into that, big boy. That's what you've done. So what it is about building that makes it unique for a businessman was trying to explain uh, my wife and I were like we're so much alike. I mean, I really I had to check out the family tree, make sure we weren't cousins, because in the South, that can happen a lot. Of Man, we are so alike. You, maybe you're a cousin. I need to check the family tree. Well, she was the cousin, but we were so we liked the same food, the same hobbies. We were so alike about three years into our marriage. We were ready for a divorce. I hated her guts. She hated mine because you <laughs> marry your exact opposite. God didn't tell you that at first. No, we're so in love. We're just alike. No, you're blind as a bat, dumb as dirt. You're not alike. Opposites attract. You know, when I was an engineer, you do those gearboxes. If you put two sets of gears with the same number of teeth together, you're going to shear them. The opposites attract. you got to put gears yeah. on opposite number of teeth. So it took us about 12 years or 45 years of marriage to realize I said, honey, I, I've learned something. I'm never going to change you, Emma. I've tried 12 years to change you, and you're just going to stay the same. So I'm going <laughs> to relax, and I'm going I'm to work on me. I, I've just found an extra set of time. i got a whole extra half day to work on me. And she laughed. She said, that's true. So you really don't change somebody. What you're trying to do in a, in a business or a marriage, you're building something, and that will take a lifetime. Um, Denise and I call all the time. So listen, guys, we've been married 45 years. We're still working on our marriage because we, we learn something new every day. This is not the same woman I married 45 years ago. I'm not the same man. We have a different vision, a different standard, different ideas, takes more money. We've got different goals in life than we had 45 years ago. So we're still growing in things. So I tell people, you don't you don't finish anything when you say I do. You just opened up the can. It's just to get ready to get started, but it's an incredible life. Now for the businessman, 
that's got to be the most exciting. But what you realize, whether you're a businessman or businesswoman, you get married, you have no idea what you're marrying into. You really don't. But hopefully you're in love. You're committed to one another. Whatever it is you're going to do, I'm going to be there with you. I, I used to joke with men when I was in business. I said, listen, I don't care if you show up. My daughter said, hey, Mr. McGill, I want to marry your daughter. God's called me to dig a ditch to China. We're going to spend pretty much the next 50 years doing that. I said, son, grab your shovel and get busy. I don't care what your vision is. Just do you have one? And what happens is where there's no vision, people perish. So you meet people, they don't have any goals. They have no dreams. When they got married, they stopped planning. They stopped thinking. But what I love about businessmen, hey, man, I'm planning to do something. And so I don't care what I, what I accomplish, I'll have to get bigger and better after that. And I'll have to get bigger and better after that. You never arrive. It, I used to tell people, life's a journey, not a destination. So we got that settled early in our life. And that's why marriage was downright exciting. People said, man, you've got a wonderful marriage. I sure do, man. I'm married to champion, I guarantee you. I bet you get along all the time. Oh, dear God, we don't get along hardly at all. We disagree on almost everything. When I, when I say one thing, she's thinking the opposite. And we had to learn that early that we don't think the same, but that's an advantage. There's no saying in Texas when two people are just alike, one of you is not needed. I didn't marry my exact. You don't marry the same person. You marry your opposite. God made Eve. You looked at Adam. I mean, he had to remember, there was only Adam in creation. And God said, good, 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 very good, not good. The first time God said, not good, he was looking at a man. He said, not good. And I was like, what's not good? He said, you, you're alone. That's not good, son. we got to fix that. So God made a woman. And so when he made a woman, he said he made men, but he built a woman. That's where we get the term, women are built. God said it first, women are built. God had to build a woman or a man wouldn't look twice at her. So he <laughs> built a woman. But what he did, that's a completely different creature. So I tell people, it's good that you don't agree all the time. That's why you get to problem solving. Two are better than one. Not because you agree, but because you see the problem from a different viewpoint. So Denise and I learned the hard way early in our marriage because I was I had no vision that I finally got one. Then I've got to go back to school. So all of a sudden, I'm back in night school. I, I went to one year of college. I hated college. I just want to get a job and get married. Well, I did. And then I realized, yeah, we were living on a cheap rent house, $55 a month for $35 a week. We could eat steak. We went on vacation where we, where, we, where we wanted. We bought two brand new cars. We've got money to burn. I mean, but then, you know, I got laid off. We started having babies. We're dropping babies like rainwater out of heaven, like checks started bouncing like ping pong balls on a concrete floor. And I thought, whoa. And I learned a hard lesson. You only get paid for two things. You get paid for what you know what you can do and based on my paycheck I did not know anything, anything. so seven years of night school what'd you do I gotta go back to night school I'm not home hugging my wife I wish I was I'm down here trying to learn algebra too when I was age 27 why I flunked in high school I've got to take it again I avoided college but I need algebra two to be an engineer so I made A's at age 27 not because I liked it but because I had to so what you learn about the business world is like what a great opportunity. You get to solve some problems and build something. It's going to take two of you to do it. So your spouse has got to be a vital part of your life. You know, I don't have any secrets. I learned early. Well, you shouldn't tell your wife that. I tell my wife everything. I, we had a term. I want to be buck naked in the middle of the interstate when it comes to my wife. Where there are no secrets because I can't I can't hide anything. Man, that's going to jump up like a – man, that's going to be like a bomb going off. So you never told me that, honey. I think I told you everything. If I did, it's because I forgot. But I want to be honest with you about everything, about what I've done, what I've not done, the, the doofus I've been. But we're trying to build something together. The whole thing was I'm trying to build something. So that's going to take time. I'm going to I'm going to be in school the rest of my life. I told her years ago, honey, I'll be going. I'm, I'm finishing up my theology degree right now, and I'm already enrolled for my master's. Like, what are you going to do? I'll be in school till I draw my last breath. I'm going to be learning all the time, getting better at what I do. We got a publishing company. We got a radio program. What are you doing? I'm trying to expand my world. Most people my age are retiring. I don't believe in retirement. I want to be busy to the day 
Jesus comes to get me. I want to live life to the absolute fullest. I'm not pulling back, and I wanted my kids to do the same. So when we were in business and we were starting to, I'm having to go to night school, I'm trying to finish my degree. I got promoted as an engineer. God's being really good. We're doing something. You look real successful. You know, I learned a valuable lesson. I will never arrive. In business and marriage, you never arrive. You're moving toward it. So as long as you can get that down pat, you'll never be disappointed because people that are disappointed, they had a goal and they didn't hit it. No, life's not. This is a journey. You're going to be doing this the rest of your life. You're going to be expanding. So you got to talk about everything in your marriage. So Denise and I learned real early, we would not discuss work when I came home. And uh, that was mm -hmm. years I was working as an engineer. We're not talking about work. We're talking about us. Talking about you. Talking about the kids. And we just, and we really made it work. We really did. We didn't talk about it. Now, Saturday we would get up and sometimes we'd, we'd take the kids somewhere on a Saturday. We'd go pick pumpkins, you know, men around, you know, Halloween or Valentine's. We'd do things with them and we'd go visit family. But Saturday we'd take a couple hours. We'd talk about work. Okay, what's going on? Man, I'm, I'm, we're struggling with this. This is not going well. i got to get better at this. But this guy over here, we need favor. I'm working for a guy that's really not easy to work for, but I can't, I can't not work for him, you know. I believe God puts you everywhere by divine appointment. So I'm going to have to learn how to be a really good servant. So success in business starts off with one thing. My job is to serve people. You know, Jesus said this, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you will become the servant of all. Uh, so Leah Coker said one time, said, I hire people smarter than me. I learned a lesson. I hire everybody smarter than me because I, I, I'm not that smart. How'd you build a great company? <laughs> I hire people smarter than me. But some people won't do that because they're intimidated. No, I'm going to hire everybody smarter than me. If you're not smarter than me, I'm not going to hire you. I already have me. I need somebody smarter than me. So everything we do, even here at the office, I want to hire smart people. So I can't be intimidated, but I'm, I'm willing to learn something new. So we set out real early, like, okay, Saturday, we'll talk about business, what's going good, what needs to be paid, not going paid, goals and stuff, where we're going to have to get a bigger house and have to add a bedroom onto it. We're problem solving the rest of our life. Great marriage has learned something. What are you going to do? We are problem-solving masters. We will be solving problems forever. And that's not a frustrating thing. In America, we get that retirement mentality. What are you trying to do? I want to work till the day I don't have to work. That's not going to happen. I mean, you can retire. I believe in retirement, but I don't believe in quitting work. I'm not retired from this job. I'm not retired from that, but I won't retire. I'm going to get up every day. They say people that retire and stop working, that their average life spends five years after the last day they work. And that's a national mm -hmm. average. Why? You have no vision. You got no reason to get up. I mean, you just play so much golf, go to so many banquets, you eat so many cheeseburgers. What are you getting up for? Well, I still have a vision. I'm going to do something, build something. I'm going to leave something behind. So for businessmen, I always told them the marriage thing for us, Denise had to learn how to adjust. You know, we're real happy in that little rent house, having two jobs, plenty of money. But then all of a sudden, uh, she quits work. I get laid off. And all of a sudden, we're dropping babies like rainwater. Things got expensive. We're going to have to learn how to adjust. We've got to be a problem solver. We need to make more money. We got to have a, I got to have a, I got to have a resume. I can even spell resume in the first idea. How do you spell that? What is that? Well, that's where you, what you're qualified to do. Well, evidently I didn't need one because I didn't have one. So I built a resume and I'm still doing that to this day. So, you know, what are you doing? Solving problems, expanding our world. That's what we do. That's awesome. I love how, when you were talking about a lot of those different things that, you use the word we in pretty much all of those when it came to marriage. And that's one of the things that, that I want to kind of touch on a little bit because it is a team. It's, it's not just you and your wife, it's we. And I think that a lot of times we get into these uh, situations where we're trying to try to do it on our own. And we're always trying to look out for ourselves and it's, it's very self-centered focused. And I think that's where in my short marriage, uh, 
lifespan. I'm a, I've only been married going on 13 years, so I have a, a, a much uh, smaller. Veteran, you're a veteran. You're past seven. That makes you a veteran. Okay. All right. One of the one of the things that we talked about earlier was in marriage, tying into where you're talking about we so much, is that at some point in marriage, it stops becoming about you. And it starts becoming about serving her, serving your wife, serving your yes. spouse, and and really kind of taking less of the I, I, I and more of the we, 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 and really trying to focus on that side of it. Because you've had your whole life up until when you got married to be self-centered focused. <laughs> and now it's like that torch has passed and, and that time is gone. And now it's more about what can I do for you? What can I do for my children? And, and really approaching it from, from that angle. We tell people that a, a wedding is a funeral. Hallmark, it's <laughs> all wrong. You should. I'm so sorry I heard you got married because if you don't die at that ceremony, you're a half-dead zombie because that's what a covenant is. A covenant is you're going to die. I promise you from this day forward, everything I have, own, and will ever get belongs to you. Everything you have on belongs to me. We're, it's a 100, 100% thing. I'm going to spend the rest of my life loving you, living for you. Denise and I, we teach in our marriage seminar how 12 years in our marriage. Uh, I mean, we, we finally we got born again. We got to church. We, we're trying to build a marriage now. We're not just selfish thumb suckers anymore, but we're still challenged with some things. For example, you know, some just carnal stuff. My mom, I grew up, my mom used Tide detergent. I came from Tennessee. It's an orange box. I like orange. And so when I married Denise, her mother used cheer. I said, we don't know stinking cheer. I got some skanky stains. We need some time. We need to slap this stuff out of here. And then my wife, her family drank Pepsi. I don't drink no stinking Pepsi. That's a watered down children's drink. We drink Coca-Cola. It's the real thing. It says on the bottle, the real thing. I don't drink watered down pot. And so we would argue over the craziest things. And uh, uh, we were driving to uh, Arkansas one day. We were doing a seminar and, I'm just kind of talking. We're in a good mood. Denise never held anything. Yes, we're in a good mood. Now, we would argue sometimes, but we're in a good mood laughing. And then uh, I'm praying. And I heard God say, I said, God, what is this? I, I mean, I'm struggling with this. You're not answering my prayer. It's like something's stopped up. You know, heaven's plowed up. What is it? What are you doing? And he said, well, I said, uh, I'm not answering your prayer because you're not treating your wife right. Because I think First Peter 3 says, God says, you know, if you give rating for rating or accusation for accusation, I'll shut heaven down. I won't answer your prayers. That's a New Testament scripture. I will not answer your prayers when you start treating your wife ugly. The greatest gift I gave you outside salvation is your spouse. You treat that ugly. I'm not answering your prayers. And I said, I treat her good. I'm real good to my wife. And he said, no. And, and I was now, when you believe it or not, I'm just telling you what God told me when I was thinking to myself. I said, your wife likes Pepsi. I didn't know God knew there was Pepsi. I said, why? Your wife likes Pepsi. I said, what's that got to do with heaven or hell? I don't even. And it's like, if your wife likes Pepsi, you need to drink Pepsi. And I thought, son of a gun. So when we stopped at a mall, we had several hours before I needed to get where I was going. We had stopped at a big mall over there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I got in a parking lot and I said, honey, I want to apologize. I have been the north end of a southbound mule and I didn't realize it. Said, uh, <laughs> he said, I, I just want you to know from this day forward, we're only using cheer detergent. I'll never drink another pop unless it's Pepsi. If you like Pepsi, I love Pepsi. You're going to use cheer. I love cheer. I hated stinking foo-foo dogs, those little whiny inside dogs. I grew up in the country. We had big dogs, bite your leg off, bark all night, chase stuff through the woods. And so my wife liked those sissy dogs, and I remember we had one, and it, it got stuck out in the suburban one day. We didn't know it was gone out because so many of us going in the house and had died of heat stroke. We didn't know it. And so Denise loved that dog. I hated that dog. She loved it. So she cried. I said, baby, I'm so sorry. And she said, shut up, Joe. Go bear the dog. <laughs> oh, no, honey. I'm so sorry. And I buried, I've only cried three times in my life. When my dad died. When that dog died, was what I, I said, man, that stinking dog coming through me and my wife. 
So I told him, I said, buried that dog. And I told him, honey, I'm going to get you a dog and I'm going to love it. So she compromised. And we believe now we started breeding basset hounds. She loved dogs. So we had a dog and uh, she finally adopted one from her father. When her father went to heaven, he was 97, little shih tzu. I said, how do you spell that? And that doesn't sound right. How do you spell shih tzu? I said, there's no TNS, shih tzu, shih tzu. Say it right, Joe. And so when we would travel this last few years, I, I would take that dog and we'd go down the interstate and we'd stop at a rest stop. And she said, Joe, would you mind walking the dog? I love to walk this dog. So I'm out there with other men. They got great days, German shepherds. I'm out there, my little shih tzu. I got a little plastic gum. And I'm like, guys, hey, how you doing? Today? Doing really good. Got my little shih tzu here. And I pick his poop up and I throw it away. He said, why don't you say, I love my wife? I said, I love who my wife loves because I'm I'm here to serve her. I want, when my life was over, I said, I want, if, she, if I can get to heaven, I want to hear my wife say, after she thanks God for Jesus, I want to be the second thing come out of her mouth. And I want to thank you for Joe. God, that was the second greatest thing you did for me because that man served me his whole life. And she was an incredible woman, incredible mother. Man, that's what I loved about it, man. we got great memories. But I said, I realized my goal was to serve you the rest of my life. And as soon as we made that adjustment, what things started lining up business-wise. There's always challenges. Tests and trials of life come to everybody. That's why I admire businessmen. You're doing something. You're building something. You're not just finding something. You're building something. That's going to take some effort. But you can't do that when you get separated. And the devil's always trying to divide. Jesus unites, the devil divides. I cannot afford to get my wife divided with me. we got to be together. One of the things would be like, I would tell Denise those earlier, she'd ask about where, honey, you, you don't understand this. I was an engineer, but it wouldn't even do to explain it. There's too many formulas. You wouldn't, you have no idea what I do at work. There's no need trying to explain it. And I wouldn't talk to her about it. And so God got to dealing about that. Said, you know, that she's your helper. I knew who she was going to marry and I knew what you were going to do. As she's got insight, you don't have, Joe. You might want to ask her some questions. And so I remember there would be times she'd say, Joe, I don't like you hanging out with that guy down there. I think he's bad. There's something wrong. Honey, you have no idea what this guy is. You don't. You don't have no clue. You got no. You're not around. I work with him all day. I'm just telling you, Joe. You better keep your eye open on it because it's not good. Every time, almost, I would say 99 percent of the time in my life, if Denise sensed something, it was true. And I thought, son of a gun, God, what is this deal? The son, she's a perceiver. You're not. You're an exhorter. You're not a perceiver. She can smell hell a mile away. She didn't have to know why. She just can smell hell coming. So I learned that Denise would never say, "Thus saith the Lord," and God said. She just say. Joe, why don't you keep your eye for that? Joe, you might want to think about adjusting this tomorrow. Why don't you think about doing this? Honey, I'm going to take that as a word from God. I'll look into that tomorrow. And almost without exception, she just said stuff. She just knew. So my wife did not have an engineering degree. But, man, was she intelligent. And I never did anything without talking to her about it. Honey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? And she said, well, I think that's a good idea. Sometimes she said, well, no, Joe, I think that's a dumb idea. I said, really? Well, I think it's really good. I think it'd be a good idea. And I try to explain it. And you see, we would talk, we'd just talk about problem solving on the radio today. I said, I usually find out, I said, well, I'll, I'll stick it on the shelf. And so I'll give it some more research and I'll find out. I would say probably before God, 99% of the time, she just knew stuff. Now she didn't, she wasn't overbearing. She was a servant. Man, she took care of me. I said, man, I, I said, I was married to an incredible gift. Man, she served, backed me up. She never told anything negative to her parents about me. Her parents loved me, but they went to heaven. They thought I was a saint. <laughs> The reason is she wouldn't tell anything bad about me to them. And so what an incredible woman. She never said anything bad in public about me. Uh, she backed me up. Now, if we had to have conversation, we did a problem. And we did, we'd solve things at home because we realized early in marriage, we are a problem-solving unit. So usually if I saw something, she didn't see it. So in our business world, especially those last few years as an engineer, man, I was getting incredible opportunities, getting promoted. But Denise and I were dealing with stuff at home because there's always a challenge. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what your position is. Your job's to fix hell today. 
Your job's to fix hell. I don't care what your title is. What are you going to do? I'm going to fix some hell. There's some hell somewhere today at work, and I'm going to go fix it. I'm a hell-fixing machine. That's what I do. Until you get that in you, you're going to go home frustrated. Man, I can't believe what he said, what they did, and what she said, and what they did, and that's not right. And you're just a thumb-sucking backbiter. All you want to do is complain. You're not who God needs. God needs somebody who's willing to step out there, solve problems. That's who the heroes are. I love how you kind of brought up the career side of it in, in combination with marriage. And I think especially when you're in that beginning phase of, of marriage or you're, you're starting to see that success in your career, I think it's real easy for you to get in that mentality of, I'm just going to stay late every single day and I'm going to be the first one there and I'm just going to work so hard that that's how I'm going to get promoted and that's how I'm going to be successful. But I think the, the challenge with that and, and the reason that you're laughing is that when you do that, you're neglecting the other, the most important side of the whole reason that, that you work. So how do you, how do you find that balance? Where does that come from? Well, I had incredibly good bosses, believe it or not. Uh, two men in particular, I remember. Uh, the one last boss I had as an engineer, uh, I would work late. I would come on Saturday and we lived out in the country and I built a home and God's blessed. We have two young kids, but man, I'm, I'm having to kind of catch up. I'm still in night school. I'm having to learn things. I'm probably not qualified to do. I want to make sure I do them right. I want to do good at work. And so uh, the engineer came in one day and he smiled and I'm there working. I figured he'd be impressed. I'm working on Saturday. Came in and smiled. I said, what are you doing here? Well, I'm working on that, that new project. we got that new machine we got in. I'm working on that. Said, uh, and so he come, he smiled real quietly. He said, Joe, if you can't get your job done in eight hours, I probably hired the wrong person. And he was serious. He didn't say another word. He's just staring at me. I thought, are you wanting me to go home? And so, Son of a guy. So I got up and I shoved my papers in my briefcase and I went home and I tried a couple more times to sneak in there. It's like, he catched me every time. He would say the same thing. So if you can't get your job done in eight hours, I probably hired the wrong person. Now he was overboard the other direction. And so there are late hours. Now I'm starting biz stuff. You got to put your time in. But when we would do that, Denise and I would tell Denise, now honey, we've got a brand new thing we're doing at work. Uh, we're going to be on this for almost six months. It's going to take a lot of extra work. I'm going to have to put some extra time. I'm going to have to take two courses at night. But, honey, in six months, I'll get this done. We're going to get a great vacation plan this year. We're going to take <laughs> some time off. It's going to be really good. And I had to back that up, you know. There were always things where things wouldn't go quite right, but I had to tell her straight up, honey, there's some time. I want to put some late hours, but we're getting some product. And she would agree. That's great, Joe. And, you know, if I – man, she'd make sure I got up. I overslept, Joe, get up. You got to get you got to get to work. And so she, we communicated. Biggest thing in a marriage is – Telling the truth to one another. If you tell the truth, the Bible says truth will set you free. So you coming home tomorrow night? Babe, I can't. Uh, we, we're in the middle of this. Uh, I just can't. I said, now there's going to come a time. Give me another two weeks. Or give me this. We, we should have We should have it completed. I just need agreement with it. And one of the biggest things we learn, it sounds kind of spiritual, but I tell people, man, we learn to pray about everything. Now, we got a great habit of, uh, I led intercessor prayer in my church for 10 years. Uh, it wasn't because I was qualified. I was in U.S. County on staff, so they stuck me with it. So, <laughs> but, I, but I realized prayer was just, uh, God knows what you need before you ask, but expect you to ask. He said, you have not because you ask not. So at least I learned to pray on the run. I mean, I'd pray driving to work. You know, I pray about people I wouldn't get along with. Things weren't working. I got, I need wisdom. This isn't working. We're, we're, we're pouring money down a hole. We can't afford to do this. Lord, this has got to stop. I, you know, people I've challenged with people you're working with. Lord, I really don't want to fire this guy. I really don't want to fire this guy, but God, I'm about running out of options. You know, I need to do something because if he doesn't change by Friday, I'm going to have to fire him. I don't want to fire him. 
And so that was three different times when I was an engineer. All three times the guy quit on Friday. He just quit. <laughs> this is God in heaven. He's really good. But we learned how to get God involved with what we were doing because I'm here to solve problems. I'm trying to build a business. and I uh, can't afford you to shoot my foot off on this thing. Uh, first time I became a school administrator and we came back went to school. I became a school administrator at Christian school. And then my, I never I hadn't fired about a long time. But my first week on the job, I fired five people the first week. Because I realized we had a horrible reputation. We were not doing good. I said, wow, we got to fix this. And the reason was I interviewed all the staff that we have. And I thought, who hired you? I think, who hired you? You don't want to be here. You shouldn't be here. And uh, <laughs> I remember I had one lady and we had a challenge with one of our grades. Our math scores were real low. Our SAT scores. I, I confronted her two years in a row. Honey, you got to get your math scores up. This, this is not right. She would say, it's the grade before me. It's not mine. I teach. It's the grade before me. And so I, I shouldn't tell this publicly, but I did. But anyhow, I confronted the teacher in front of her, and I said, "I said, well, what's the deal with the math?" He said, "Oh, I don't like math." I said, "I know, but you know, you're teaching. What, what are you struggling with?" No, I just don't teach it. No, no. When you teach, I mean, what are you doing? No, no I, I don't teach math. I never taught math. Well, you're supposed to teach math 50 minutes a day. It's in the curriculum. I don't teach it. <laughs> and I realized I found the problem. I got a qualified degree in teaching. It just won't teach it. You know, I had. To, I thought, what are we doing? And so. You realize you as a boss, as a businessman, your job is to solve problems. You think, man, I'm just in the middle of hell. No, you're in the middle of heaven. You're a problem-solving machine, and God knew what you needed to do, and you're learning every day. So just learn, smile real big, and deal with what you need to deal with because you're the problem solver. I, I don't want to fire anybody. I'm trying to hire people and give raises and promotions, but I can't let you kill us. You know, I won't let you do that, you know. Uh, it's just a, it's a very hard lesson that a leader learns. Like, guys, we're building something here. I'm glad you're a part of it, but I need you to roll the boat the same direction we're rowing in. Well, I love how you talk about prayer and the importance of prayer, especially in, in, on the business side. And uh, we've talked a little bit in some previous podcasts about podcasts about being stewards of our business and that really that our success is not our own. It's actually <laughs> us being utilized and, and trying to recognize that. And I, as we, as you were talking about just, you know, sitting like being in the car and praying with your wife and in that relationship, uh, maybe I'm just a little bit slow, but I, I, I had the realization that it's possible that I'm not I'm just a steward of my marriage as well. It doesn't just apply only to my business. And for that, it kind of changes, it kind of changes the perspective completely. I did uh, two big marriage cruises uh, about seven, eight years ago in a big church up in Michigan and uh, 125 couples. And it was incredible. I had a great time. First night on the cruise, uh, had that we separated the men and the women just the first night. Was, How many of you men, let me ask you a question. All of them born again, spirit-filled guys, great faithful people and you know paid the money to get on the cruise how many men have paid for, for your wife in the last week be honest 125 men 12 hands went up said how many of you men have prayed for your wife in the last month be honest god knows honest you prayed for your wife <laughs> in the last month six more hands went up total of 18 men of 120 had prayed for the wife in the last month i said you're probably having some challenges because if you're not getting god involved you're on your own buddy if you're on your own that's not going good so then you need to be praying for your wife every day. You don't need a holy moment. You don't have to light a candle, shave your head, suck rug. Just grab her and honey, thank you. I bless you. You have a great day today. You got divine favor in Jesus' name. Amen. Call me if you need something. And so it can be a 30-second deal. It can be a five-second deal. But every day, you need to let, you better let your spouse know you're praying for them. You know, if they're in a business, you know, I did that with my wife. Man, I pray your business does well. Man, I believe you got favor down there. Anybody's getting a promotion, you're going to get it. You're going to get a raise, you're going to get it. So you got to let everybody know we're all in the same boat. 
We're trying to do the same thing. We're not against one another. The devil tries to tries to get people to go against each other. He's trying to turn husbands against wives, you know, bosses against employees. He's trying to, he's an author of confusion. He's creating confusion. Well, I'm not. I'm a confusion solver. I'm going to be a problem solver. When I walk in the building, that old plant we took over, they hadn't, it had been closed since World War II. They built airplanes in World War II. I was in Sykes, Missouri. It'd been shut down for years. We moved from Jewett City, Connecticut, going out there trying to find a good labor force. They had a giant shoe company that closed. A lot of unemployed people, kind of about 12,000. I believe we got a good workforce. They just don't have a job. So if we move this out here, we get better labor. Uh, we don't have to pay as much money. We got we can we got railroads and shipping's a whole lot better. So uh, we got out there and we realized that we opened up this old plant. Well, man, there's all kinds of problems. The concrete was cheap. It kept breaking. So Bill and I, uh, that was uh, he's the other engineer, and so he's a good Christian. I said. Man, we got to do something. We got to get God, God involved. This is not going good. So I figured the old story about the walls of Jericho. So we're going to walk around the plant and we get off today. So we would just go for a stroll. Big old long thing, man. Three football fields, single level. And so we go out. We go out to work. We're just walking. So what we're doing, we're praying. Walk around that plant. So we carried the little thing of oil in our pocket. We anointed every door in that plant. Lord, this place is blessed. We'd had two layoffs two years in a row at Christmas time. Horrible to have a layoff, but at Christmas time, you lay people off. What kind of heathen are you? I said, something's wrong. So we walked around there six days. And on the seventh day, Sunday, we went down and we circled that place with our families seven times. Man, we worked up a sweat. It was summertime. We but we circled that building seven times. We prayed with that building. This, this place is blessed in Jesus' name. We never had another layoff. We got two of the best contracts we ever got. Things turned. So I'm believing. I'm, I work business. I study. I want to work hard. But I get God involved. If God's not involved, this thing's going under. This is all God. It's all God. So I believe in being a very successful businessman, but it's, I do my part and God does his part. You can't separate the two. All of those different things that you talked about really ties back into that good relationships are, are no accident. And I think that ties into the same thing of good businesses are no accident. You have to be intentional with laying that foundation and creating those different uh, goals and plans to really reach for that successful marriages, that successful business that you want to have. And I picked up on one thing when you were talking about uh praying for your wife and you kind of rattled something off about being uh, greatly favored and highly blessed, I think is what you said or something along those lines. I know just from listening to you over the different years that uh, you're, you're really big on having confessions or having like words to speak over things, whether it be your children, whether it be finances, whatever, uh, whether it be whatever else. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. What are some things that uh, as as young businessmen and women in, in wanting to speak over our marriages, what are some things that we can say uh, to each other to encourage ourselves and encourage ourselves in our marriage? You know, when I started out, I had to carry three by five cards because I've always been in church. So I've always been a believer, but I didn't know much scripture. So I always, I'd have to carry my three by five cards. Now, what's that scripture again? And I misquote it and I'm going to have to read it. I'm going to read it every day. So Three things I have prayed as long as we've had children. Um, my oldest daughter's a college professor today, but before we had kids, you know, I thought, man, we got to do this right. So Psalm 3411 says this, come to me, children, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So I realized the fear of God must be real important. Fear of God's the beginning of wisdom, uh, Proverbs says. And wisdom's the principal thing, therefore get yourself some. If you lack wisdom, ask God to give you liberty. So I realized I need to have a family that fears God. I need to have a business, everybody in my business. They may not even be saved, but you better fear God. You better say, we're going to do what's right if it hair lips everybody. We do what's right because it's right to do what's right. No shortcuts, no cheating, no halfway stuff. We do it right. We're going to be known for who we are. We're going to do it right, and we're going to fix it. So I prayed the fear of God over, you know, Denise every day, over our kids every day. Number two, 
Uh, God said, I'll surround the righteous with a shield of divine favor. Uh, Psalm 512. I believe divine favor. God, Daniel's over there in prison. His family's been killed. He's been made a slave in a foreign country. What do you pray for? I believe for divine favor. So the Bible says that he was found 10 times wiser, 10 times better. You know, he's there for 70 years, but he came out loaded, filthy, stinking rich. He came back, took everybody back to Jerusalem. Uh, some things don't happen overnight, but I'm so, Lord, we need divine favor. I, I, I want divine favor, Lord. I, I, I'm going to be surrounded with it. I'm praying for divine wisdom, Lord. One thing I pray for is relationships. Now, if the devil's going to try to take you out, he's going to, he's going to have an idiot come into your life. It's going to be an educated idiot, a good speaking idiot, a well-dressed idiot. But it's going to just, be a, just one? <laughs> well, we'll take one at a time. I realize, you know, uh, Proverbs 27, 17 is iron strikes iron, so the countenance of a friend. So what does that mean? Well, there's more scriptures in the Bible on friendship than there are about heaven and hell. You and I will become like who we hang around. So I realized something. My job is to find people smarter than me and better than me, and I need to become a friend to them. So uh, I realized wise people, because you want to be wise, hang around wise men. I learned something earlier. Wise men don't chase me. Wise men chase men wiser than them. So if yeah. I want to get around a wise man, I got to chase him. I, and how do you do that? I'm going to serve him. I'm going to find me a wise man to serve. So that engineer I work for, I'll follow him across the country, two different states. You know, I'm working for you, big boy. I'm going to be the best thing ever happened to you. If you ever feel somebody behind you, don't turn around. It's going to be me because I'm going to chase you. I told my pastor that when I got in the ministry years ago. He'd been my same pastor for 20 years. I said, Pastor, if you ever feel somebody behind you, don't turn around. It'll be me. I'm chasing you to Jesus comes. I want to be just like you. I don't know what you read, how you pray, how where you go on the, uh, where you take your wife on vacation. I want to know everything is to be about. I want to be like you. There are no perfect people that don't exist. Jesus said this, the righteous fall seven times they get back up. There are no perfect people. But there are a lot of getting back up people. There are a lot of problem-solving people. So I'm going to find somebody that's a problem-solver that gets up. After how many times you've been knocked down? One of the greatest things I ever did as a school administrator, I collected 1,206 biographies from my high school students. I don't have time to go over it, but we kept short biographies about people. We got biographies like uh, Abraham Lincoln, who only went to the fourth grade. He, the one greatest, which was fourth grade, he taught himself how to read at night, reading by a fire. He put himself through law school. You know, uh, we talked about uh, Winston Churchill. We talked about Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was kicked out of the fourth grade. His teacher told me he's too stupid to learn anything. Now, how'd you become this great guy? I got kicked out of school in the fourth grade. He, he went to work on a on a, on a box car as a, just a shuttle kid at age 12, running notes from the guy back and forth to the engineer. Guy got mad at him last night. The work caboose got mad at him, hit him upside the head with a tube before he lost his hearing. A deaf fourth grade dropout has a thousand patents to his name. So I wanted to read stories, but everybody has, sorry, you don't know my dad and you don't know who my mom was. My teacher wouldn't pass. My coach wouldn't play me. My boss fired me. My wife left me. Shut up. I never heard so many thumb sucking excuses. I'm trying to create problem solvers, not problem makers. Get your thumb out of your mouth and grow up. You are responsible for you. As long as a human can blame somebody else, they're not going anywhere. So I had a revelation man, when I was a young businessman. Whose fault is that? Mine. Yep. It's my fault, and I'll fix it. As long as it's somebody else's fault, I don't have to be responsible. No, I'm responsible for Joe McGee. And as soon as I took responsibility for me, things started to change. Hell step kept coming. Jesus said the tests and trials come to everybody. I still get to whip hell. We can do tomorrow. Whip some hell. But I'm going to build me a resume that's going to shock some people. I'm going to be a hell whipping machine in my marriage and in my business. That's what I'm here to do. I'm on the alien planet. Satan is the legal god of this world. I mean, God can only come down here when somebody invites him. That's what prayer is. God said, I'm not allowed down there. I gave it to Adam. Adam gave it away when he sinned. Satan is the legal God, but I will come if you invite me. So now I'm inviting God a lot, and I'm whipping hell a lot. It's just what you learn to do.
<laughs> wow. Well, listeners, I don't know if you can kind of pick up, but Joe's a little bit of passionate about all of these different things when it comes to relationship, <laughs> when it comes to marriage, when it comes to everything. And uh, Joe, I, some of these questions I've asked you, I've, I've been kind of teeing up for you a little bit to talk a little bit about your Marriage Building 101 DVD. And uh, I think you actually have a special for our listeners that if they make a donation uh, by calling one 800 482 five eight six two that you'll actually send them this dvd and yeah, I, I think that if you send 50 cents we're going to send it to you i i think the the podcast you can maybe touch on just a little like we're barely scratching the surface here but uh, a lot of these questions i think are answered uh in this marriage building 101 so joe if you can talk a little bit about what what the dvd is what the dvd is and and, and what you're covering it's a one hour session we've done this seminar all over america uh Six one-hour sessions. It's real simple. It's like you don't find a marriage, you build one. So we start at the very beginning. You know, some you, you're going to build a marriage. You don't get lucky. Well, you got lucky. Nobody gets lucky. There's no such thing as luck. There's heaven and hell. There's no such thing as luck. You're stuck in the middle like an Oreo cookie. So if you get something good, you're going to build it. So marriages are built. We're talking about the four basic tools. There's uh, top ten reasons for divorce. Years ago, people said, well, I'm an engineer. I'm trying to find out how this will work. What do you learn first? Well, why is it not working? I want to find out why is this the machine not working? Well, then we're going to fix that. But if I don't know the problem, <laughs> I can't fix it. Same thing in the marriage. So the top four reasons for divorce, number one is uh, is a lack of communication. We don't know how to talk. We used to take our high school students to divorce court for half a day. We're going to half a day field trip every year. We're going to divorce court. We're going to McDonald's, get a cheeseburger, we're going to divorce court. What for? Because I want you to see two people at one time were just so in love. They wanted to suck the lips off each other's face, and they promised before God and witnesses, we're going to love each other to death we do part. That's who you're going to hear today. And you're going to hear every nasty, foul, damned four-letter word you've ever heard, and some you've never heard, spoken between two people who swore they loved each other. What happened? Well, they fell out of love. I said, that's the problem. You don't fall in love. You don't fall out. Love's a choice. It's the most expensive four-letter word in the universe. You tell somebody I love you, it costs God everything to love us. You tell somebody I love you, get out your checkbook and your 401k, you're going to cost you, but it's a great thing you're about ready to buy. So I realized we do a thing on communication. It's real simple. Uh, all wars start with words. All affairs start with words. All divorces start with words. All marriages start with words. If you don't learn wow. to control your tongue, you're dead meat. The first thing you got to do is control that tongue. A marriage license is not a permission slip to say anything to your spouse that hits your brain. That's not allowed. She's not just my wife. Denise is my sister in the Lord, and I'm not allowed to say certain things to her. You know, let your yeas be yeas, your nays be nays. All that's perceived legal one. So we have a whole one-hour course on shut your mouth and say something nice. And I had it. Denise, <laughs> what are you thinking? Nothing good. What is it? Nothing good. And you, I do not want to say it. We would fight. We, we first started learning how to talk to one another. I said, we're going to be a problem solver. If I don't have anything good to say, I'm not saying anything. If you ask me, I'll tell you the truth. I won't lie. You like that? No. Why? I just don't. I, we have to figure out why, but I don't, but I'm not going to lie to you. The second thing was about money, because once you get married, you're going to realize you just think you need money. You get married, you're going to need more money than you ever thought. Oh, and yes. start dropping babies. Man, chicken. you know, we didn't realize how much it was going to take. Now, God's been good. God's blessed us. Our biggest fights in our early marriage was about money. I got mad at Denise. I'm working two jobs. I'm working hard. I'm going to night school. And we were talking about something. She was washing dishes. And I, I just lost. I started yelling. I said, it's never enough, is it, Denise? It's just stinking never enough, is it? And she was so calm. She turned, no, Joe, you need to make more money. <laughs> what is it? So we learned about, you know, I learned to talk and problem solve and ask questions. And we won't solve every problem today, but I got to learn how to 
talk normal. I'll fight, start with words, so I'm not working. We're going to talk calm. I may not say the nice thing, but we're going to be calm. Number two, my job is to make money. I tell every man that's married, married in the family, son, your first job is to make money and take care of my daughter. That's your job. So you're going to be doing that the rest of your life. Number three, we talk about children. Hopefully, eventually, you're going to drop some babies, you know. Children are a gift from God. I know. I, I thought that was a lie. I said, some month wrote that. He wasn't even married. Who wrote this? <laughs> not a reward from God. They cost you everything. Chewing the corners off the end table. They don't flush stuff. They should flush stuff. They shouldn't. But no children are rewarded. So I have six adult kids to prove that today. They don't agree with everything I say, but most everything they do because we trained them. So we learned about parenting because it's going to take time. And people say, I mean, I, I'll be glad the kids are out of the house. I said, listen, your kids will never be out of the house. Well, they may move away. But they're coming back. They're going to bring family. They're going to show up. You're going to be a parent when you're 90 and they're 70. They're going to still run into problems at age 70. They've never seen before. They're going to, hey, Dad, hey, God, did you ever deal with this? Yes, son, I dealt with that. And you're still going to be a parent when you're 90. Then the fourth thing we talked about is about sex. And this is one of the greatest ones. People kind of get shocked. I said, God said everything about sex. Man, he's good sex, bad sex, perverted sex, bestiality, homosexual. He addressed it all in the Bible. It's all in there. That's the most X-rated book you ever read. So I used to highlight the scripture time. My kids read it. So like, you need to learn about sex. God had a lot to say about it. You know, and uh, he really, the essence of our sexual seminar, we'll do that. I said, God said, do it, do it well and do it often. It's real simple. It's just do it, do it well and do it often. But if you're not having sex in a while, we got a problem brewing. You know, uh, the only place in the New Testament, First Corinthians 7, where the devil can get into your life is if you're not taking care of one another sexually. I don't wait till I'm in the mood. I do it when my wife's in the mood. <laughs> I learned early. We you yeah. doing it? Man, she's in the mood. Shoot, man, we're going to shut that thing down out there. We'll turn off the lawnmower. We'll shut the house down. We're doing it now. There's no special. <laughs> magic moment so we talk about those four areas are the ones given the most where we're having problems in our sexual life we're having problems with money our kids i said well you know god's got something to say about everything so if you'll get a few scriptures you'll just start i'll give you two or three to feed on you start talking right get yourself a budget be the greatest miracle you ever did find and just get a budget don't do it late at night you're going to go into depression because you need a lot more money than you think it's going to take more money Kids, you're going to have their kids. You're going to be your kids forever. They're not going to leave at 18. My kids all went to college. Even when they left at 24, they're still our kids. So still live at home till they were 30. They're still our children. So we wanted to be a blessing. And then the last thing is, man, I want to be making love to my wife and I'm 95. You know, my father-in-law came to our marriage seminar. He was 95. My mother-in-law was 89. And so he'd never been to one of our seminars when Chattanooga and he came to the seminar. And the last session is always about sex. It's pretty graphic. That's real humorous. Our seminars are, are what they call laugh and learning experiences. So he's coming up, and I thought, uh-oh, here comes my father-in-law. He's old, white hair, and he come down. I thought, what's he going to say? Oh, man, I hope I haven't offended him. So he's kind of grinning. He, he looked like he, he got a little mustache. He looked like Clark Gable, an old, an old Clark Gable. He walked up, and he shook my hand, and he whispered and said, you know, we still do it once a month. We still do it once a month. <laughs> and I thought, dear God, I don't want to know that. I don't but I was almost proud of him, like, yeah, we still do it. I'm maybe not. If I'm not dead, we still do it. So – people you know you need to keep talking problem solving you need to keep earning more money and uh man, blessing your kids and teaching them and training them they'll be running into stuff that they've not run into before you need to tell them maybe when you're 60 and they're 40 i'm doing that right now you gotta help them solve problems then you need to be sucking the lips off your spouse till jesus comes you know roger stop back there interviewing him talking about this other pro player that's having sex with so many people and bragging about it he said, I have sex as much as he does. I get to have sex more than he does. It's just I do it with the same woman. And I, I made nasty news. And when I was like, I want to do that. I want to have the same woman. I'm going to suck the lips off your face. If Jesus comes to get me, we're going to have a great life. Again, it's not what you find. It's what you build. You don't <laughs> find a business, you build one. You don't find a marriage, you build one. That's incredible. awesome.
Well, I think we have to officially take take our podcast to a PG thirteen rating. I think we officially <laughs> jump down the uh, jump oh. down the, the relationship side. But with with the DVD, that's a that's a special for our listeners. So make sure when you call in uh, to tell them that you heard about it on the YBT podcast. Yeah, uh, but you know, there's so much here, uh, and and having a, a podcast that talks about just a little bit of this is not enough. I think a lot of the things that you've said are not necessarily like these, uh, you know, crazy out out of the uh, out of this world ideas. They're all common sense, but I, I think they are. Thank you. But I think what happens is, and, and no, that's not a that's not a dig. It's, it's just I think we just need to be reminded of it because we we literally just stop thinking about some of these things and we stop being intentional with working on your marriage. Like you said, you know, how many people have prayed for their wife in the last month? And I think that that's just a matter of not being intentional with investing in that relationship. Just like you have to be intentional with planning your business, planning your budgets, planning on doing all these different things. You have to do the exact same thing in the relationships that you have. So having a guide like this, this 101 starters guide to marriage, even if you've been married for 20, 30 years, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things that you can get out of it too. I tell people that East and I, uh, we've been married 24 years and I realized we hadn't been on a date in seven years. We were having kids. We were busy. Tournaments, ball games, braces on their teeth, trying to get them into college. And Denise and I realized, you know, we used to go out off quite a bit. I said, man, we haven't been on a date in seven years. We haven't been anywhere. And I thought, man, we got to change that. How are we going to do this? And so I remember I walked, uh, I was outside doing some work uh, on a Friday. I walked in and said, honey, come on out here. And I made her a cup of hot tea. I made a cup of coffee. I was kidding. I've got two big old porches, a cracker barrel porches off our old barn house out in the country. The kids were going, mom and I are going out on the porch. Don't come out unless you bleed to death. <laughs> unless we need to call 911, don't you come out for the next 30 minutes. You leave mom and I alone. Don't ask any questions. We take no phone calls. And Denise and I went out. We got some big rocking chairs. We said, what are you doing? We're going on a date, baby. We're going to start real small, but we're going to build it up. We're going on a date. We're going out to the rocking chairs. <laughs> and I remember I sat down, and it was a beautiful, beautiful day. We were sitting on the look off the side of the mountain there. We're rocking. I'm drinking my coffee. She's drinking a tea, and we're just relaxing just a minute. And we just kept sipping our coffee and tea and relaxing. We're just looking. And we got a lot of bird feeders around the thing and watching the birds come in. Some squirrels are playing out there in the yard. And then all of a sudden, 30 minutes went by. And I, I turned and I looked at her and she said, that's the best 30 minutes we've had in a long time. I said, I know we need to do this again tomorrow. And so we went on another date the next day. Where'd you go? Out on the porch, got some coffee and tea. Now, eventually, we started going out once a week. And I don't care. I said, we just may go down to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee and a, and a bagel. But we're going to go out. Do what? Nothing. We're not planning anything. I don't want anything out of it. We're just going to go hang out like we did when we were in love. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we started to talk about things we should have talked about earlier. We had stopped dating. We would stopped talking. And uh, that friend of mine said, he said, I fall in love with my wife about seven times a year. He's been married 48 years. I said, what do you do? We keep falling in love all over again. you got to keep dating. you got to keep falling in love. That's what you do. Well, Joe, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak to our audience, to speak to our listeners. I, I know that there's a lot here, and a lot of people are going to be listening to this over and over again. but if anything, are, you've been tasked with a goal, and, and that's to be a problem solver, to find those prob- problems and solve them, not just in your business, but in your marriage as well. Yeah. And, and being intentional with the relationship that you have, uh, identifying, learning from those mentors, those people who are wise that you can learn from. Uh, I believe that Joe is one of those guys that uh, has a lot to share and a lot uh, that we can learn from in our marriage. So Joe, thank you for taking the time. I'm going to give you the last word. What do you want to say to our listeners uh, to kind of encourage them and, and as they kind of move forward in the day? Number one, every day is an opportunity. I don't care what's coming up because people think, oh man, is that today? Or oh, what happened next? I had to learn how to not overreact negatively. My wife almost left me. We've been 
having Thanksgiving dinner and I was getting upset. Kids were making a mess. Everybody calmed down. Let's eat Thanksgiving dinner and watch my football game on TV. And Denise just confronted me. She never did that very often. She said, Joe, she grabbed me by my ear, kind of pinched it. Joe, calm down. And he said, Joe, we're going to get the house immaculate. We're going to get the turkey on the table and you're going to get to watch your ball game and take a nap. But I want you to know something. And she never threatened. 45 years ago, <laughs> she never threatened. Joe, I want you to know something. When the last kid leaves home, I'm going with him. And you can live <laughs> with your immaculate house and your immaculate life because I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm not living with you anymore. And I knew she was serious. She wasn't threatened. I thought, what happened? She said, well, Joe, you used to be fun to live with. What happened to you? I said, I had six kids. That's what happened to me. Man, we got bills to pay. Got kids in college. I'm trying to build a business. I got stuff going on. And I was so tense. And I was oh, she's right. Yeah, it took over a year. But I, I did change. Now, I went probably too far the other direction. Uh, <laughs> I laugh at everything. I laugh at stuff I shouldn't laugh at. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get my joy back. Everything's funny. So I remember him thinking that transmission fell. <laughs> well, what an opportunity! We get to get another transmission, and I had to start laughing. And I realized my job is to solve problems. And so I just tell the who wants listening, if you'll get that in, you, you'll never be disappointed. I get an opportunity to solve problems again today in my business, in my career, with my family, my children, my wife. I'm a problem solving machine. I want to when I walk in the room, I don't want your head to jerk like hell just walked in. Every time I walk in a room, I want you to break out in a smile. Every I want you to cry when I leave you, not when I walk in a room. I'm going to leave you better than I find you. So that is the last and greatest thing. So, Evan, thank you for what you're doing. You're changing lives, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Keep it up. I appreciate what you're doing. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.